is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listen in colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss here on Jazz FM. Thank you so much for joining. Jazz Shapers is where you get to hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them, we bring someone in who is shaping the world of business. We like to call them business shapers. My business shaper today is Sasha Zakiria, and he is the CEO and co-founder at The Change Group. They are the travel money specialists. You may have seen them on your travels. 600 people plus around the world and a fabulous turnover too. You'll be hearing all about his business and how he has co-founded it with his family and indeed they're all still in it uh thank you so much for joining uh sasha elliot it's a pleasure really nice to be here now tell me your um your background is a, you're an engineer we worked out uh, earlier we studied at the same time we're both as young as each other absolutely uh, university of warwick uh guy and then a postgrad i think in financial economics you sound very very educated and indeed an mba you just you obviously like. I stuff. like partying. It's the only way of describing it. Either that, or I was a masochist for for extra studies. <laughs> now you've also done all sorts of interesting things before you set this this business up. Um, you were involved with your family. Just tell me um, before we go into flying and things, which is something I'm interested in. Um, tell me how this business came about back in the early nineties. So basically, we saw a market opportunity taking place up in the Nordics, where there were very few people who were providing services to international tourists who were flying in at the weekend and uh, as my mother observed and saw with uh, my f- late father basically there were no provisions for them to be able to change their british pounds their french franc at the time into danish crowns so we thought you know what this is a great opportunity so my mother uh, painstakingly put together the business there and also uh, here in the uk and then uh, my father and I, we uh, went alongside with her and supported her and um, helped grow the business over the last 25 years. Now, did your mum have a background in business? I mean, it's a, you know, we, we, many of us have, I always say this, many of people observe opportunities and then they stay inside their heads or they talk to their friends and it doesn't go any further. What enabled your mother to actually do something about it, apart from obviously your father well, and you helping? Uh, fortunately, my father had previously been running uh, a similar type of business. Um, so he was then able to devote more time to it. We had 3i PLC, the um, venture capital group, come on board very early on, and they were excited by the idea of providing international services to what is now called um, a financial disintermediation to get with the, the cool technology um, opportunity. And it's really interesting because at the time, it didn't feel that we were doing anything special, but these days, you pick up the newspaper, everyone's talking about fintech. But 25 years ago, that word didn't exist. But that's exactly what we were doing. We were providing an alternative to the banking op- uh, arrangements that were in countries from Finland to Iceland to Australia to the US. And around that time, you were, um, I believe you just finished university. So you were, and you were also then went in to do other things. You didn't immediately go into the family business. Is that right? That's right. So obviously cash flow was tight in the first few years as it's the case with a lot of small businesses. So I did some things from the, the background. I invested the money that I earned from my day job in engineering and from taking out bank loans and various bits and pieces that you beg, borrow and steal. Um, my parents put in their funds. So together we were able to do it. And right now, um, I, I mentioned it earlier, there's over 600 people in the business. How, yep. many, how many countries are you in? We're in 13 countries. Uh, we cover 
uh, Australia, the US, and uh, North America. And basically, we have about 110 wholly owned branches and offices. And then we have a, a pan-European and US ATM network, uh, which uh, sits complementary to the actual standalone branches. Just before we go to Frank Sinatra, you've got to be honest about this. Was it more fun setting it up than it is now managing it? It's an interesting debate. Um, I would argue the setup is much more interesting. It's nerve-wracking, but at the same time, it's that seat-of-the-pants kind of thing. You get that feeling back sometimes when you do an M&A deal. So when we buy a business or uh, occasionally when we've, we've sold bits of businesses, um, you get that. So over the course of the last few years, we've done about 18 M&A deals. And uh, that certainly gives you that, that seat-of-your-pants feeling again. Um, so you get that back. But yeah, the day-to-day management, its processes, its systems, it's having really great people surrounding you. And uh, we're fortunate at the change group that we've got you know, people who have joined us as sales consultants and they've worked their way all the way through management up to board directors. Um, so we've got really great support teams, uh, which we're very proud of. Stay with me for much more from Sasha Zakaria. My business shape today likes the seat of the pants stuff, but he's an engineer, so he quite likes processes too. Time for music. It's Fly Me to the Moon from The Big Man. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. I love you. That was Fly Me to the Moon from Frank Sinatra, of course. Sasha Zakaria is my business shaper today, CEO and co-founder at The Change Group. And uh, we've already established he's very well educated. You speak three languages as well, I believe. Uh, yes, for my sins, I speak French, German and a, a smattering of Dutch occasionally. When, and uh, Dutch. I, I, I've got here German. Uh, yes, I have German too. You have German, of course you do. Um, but that is a serious point behind that. Obviously, you're you know you're a co-founder in a business, and you talked about your mum setting the, putting the plan in place, and your father who had been already involved in a similar business doing it, and so on. But there are many schools of thoughts on this. You went down the I'm going to be educated and I'm going to get some rigor route. Has it helped you? Do you still lean on that MBA education that you got from INSEAD? Are there moments when you go, I'm really pleased I did that? Yeah, there are. There's a lot where, quite frankly, um, you're simply having to think on on the fly Mm. and no amount of education can prepare you for that kind of thing. But there's more technical things when you get into transfer pricing and you get into some marketing strategies or you're sitting there doing an M&A deal and you're negotiating with a bank. And funny enough, you talked about languages, you know, you get a smattering of of French and German at school, but it's only when you land in these countries and you suddenly realize, oops, I've got to deal with these people and it's not good enough to try and speak English to them. And that's when you suddenly realize, hey, international business does mean uh, you've got to learn these languages. Without sounding trite about it, making an effort makes a massive difference, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, I still love um, interacting with people around the world. I I think that's one of the the great things um, of the planet, the fact that people travel and the opportunities that come about because of low-cost airlines. And if you think about the growth of my business, it's come about because people are traveling so much. It's one of the biggest growth industries, um, you know, at the moment, uh, the growth projections are to go to well over 1.5 billion people traveling. It's it's huge. Every single year, the number of people who get onto aircraft. And from my perspective, 
because of this, whilst we are going electronic to a degree and using prepaid cards and things like that, people still want to have that cash in their hand mm. for when they're going on to that exotic location or when they're simply going to Berlin. Not so exotic, but quite frankly, you turn up, 80% of all small transactions in Germany are done in cash. Uh, lots of places will not accept cards. And so uh, being able to help them with advice, being able to help them with um, their travel needs, and at the same time, of course, change some money for them, make some money out of it, um, it's, it's fabulous. How have you managed to differentiate what you do from the Travelexes of the world? And you, you touched on kind of what, what's going on now with prepaid cards, whether it's a Revolut or whoever it might be. What's been the, the change group difference, as it were, for the consumer? What would they have said, oh, that's why I'm going to go over there? Because it's hard, isn't it, to make a difference? It is hard to make a difference where it's a commodity product. But to put in perspective, um, people think cash is dying, but... Uh, Ten years ago, when the ECB started uh, printing euro banknotes, they printed about 200 billion of them. Today, there's 1.2 trillion euros worth of banknotes in circulation. It's, the growth is uh, phenomenal. So people are clearly loving cash and wanting to hold on to cash for a variety of reasons. To make a difference, therefore, it's all about service. It's about having the right people uh, well-trained. You know, our staff go through a four-month training program, some of it on job, some of it off job, um, in order to get across the, the values that we espouse, which is about inclusivity. It's about bringing people together. It's about uh, respecting difference of nationality and understanding that and helping to service the customer needs and giving that extra bit that they weren't expecting necessarily. And that's in the communication style. It's in the way in which they speak to people, how they process those transactions and not just be a, a cashier, but really a, a consultant, a sales consultant, someone who listens and tries to help the, the traveller who's landed in that country probably for the first time and how can they assist them with what they're planning to do? Stay with me for much more from my guest, that's Sasha Zakaria, um, who you've been listening to, CEO and co-founder at The Change Group. He'll be back in a few minutes. And before that, we've got some words of wisdom from our programme partners at Mishkondorea for your business. So I'm Joe Hancock, the cybersecurity lead at Mishkondorea. One of the most common problems I see people have at the moment is almost over-collecting data. There's an obsession with data and digital. That's a really good thing. It presents brilliant opportunities. But at the same time, collecting data that you don't really need or storing data that you really shouldn't store anymore prevents a massive risk. At the same time, as having that data gives you some good kind of business outcomes, having it there means there's good a target for attackers. It means that you're much more likely to lose it. And if you don't delete it properly, you're much more likely to breach regulation. And all of this really starts to create a bit of a risk for business that isn't very well understood and isn't really well managed at the moment. Another whole set of problems that could be avoided very simply are just by doing the basics. If you use complex passwords, change your password regularly. Don't use the same password for, for multiple services, as everybody does. Even just one or two different passwords will stop you being the victim of some of the large data breaches we've seen soon. They'll protect your identity. They'll help protect your bank accounts and your finances. Just by doing very, very simple things, either as an individual or as a business, you can remove most cyber risk that's out there at the moment. Nothing can ever be 100% secure, but at the same time, you really can make your own life and your business much better by doing these things. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. 
You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday, I'm very lucky because I get to meet someone who's shaping the world of business, doing things we all, in our dreams and our spare time, have gone, I wish I'd have done that. My business shaper today is Sasha Zakaria, and he is the CEO and co-founder of The Change Group. We're going to come to him in a moment, but if you'd like to listen to any one of the many hundreds of people that I've had the pleasure of meeting over the past few years, go into iTunes, put in the words Jazz and Shapers, or on your next trip with British Airways, you can also go onto the High Life channel and find some there, or even if you're feeling in a natty mood, ask your little friend Alexa to play Jazz Shapers. Um, Sasha, I mentioned earlier um, in your in the 90s that you actually were involved um, in flying planes. Um, it, I have met one other um, enthusiast in that space, it's Nick Bremont and, uh, of Bremont Watches, um, and there's something of the lunatic in that kind of person. You mentioned before to me, even though you are a very calm and an educated guy, obviously, who who has nerves of steel. There's something about letting go and the liberation of being in a plane and controlling stuff. Have you flown since then, or is it a dim and distant past? It actually now has become the dim and distant past because what I realised after I left um, the RAF University Squadron that flying privately, the equipment, the systems that sit behind you as a private pilot are far inferior to what the Royal Air Force actually has. And so what I, I recognised very rapidly was uh, I, I rather liked the, the high-speed, uh, fully uh, protected systems that uh, the RF had, but uh, wasn't so keen on what you can go and rent in a Cessna and at your local airfield and, mm. um, you know, try and fly away that way. So the rush is now, the, as you said, the mergers and acquisitions side of it, buying businesses. You mentioned there's been about 18 or so acquisitions. Is that over the last 15 years or so? Even yes. More? So we've been going about 25 years, but I'd say the acquisitions have taken place over the last 20, typically, and especially in the last 10. Is it fun buying companies? It is. I, I think there's a, a real excitement when either you go into a new territory and you go, what's this all about? How do I get my head around that? Or you go into an existing territory and you think, okay, well, if I merge number two and number three here, what do I actually end up with? I'm, maybe I get to number one, maybe I don't, but um, getting around that is really good. And are you, buy, are you borrowing for, in this or are you using your own reserves? So we typically use a bit of both, a bit of reserves and a bit of debt. Um, sometimes there's some vendor finance that's provided in. Um, so we look at different techniques in order to, uh, to get there. And again, I imagine your MBA background gives you those tools that you might need where other people may struggle or at least need external experts more than you might do. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the interesting things is the the shape of things taking place at the moment with Brexit, because obviously with that happening, we're suddenly going, well, where are we being regulated? Which countries can we go into? And one of our concerns is the, the pool of talented individuals to come and join us, um, either at a managerial level or, quite frankly, at a sales consultant level, because we're constantly recruiting great people. But with the Brexit process, um, we are concerned about our attraction in the UK of good quality people. And I am concerned that with the existing uh, plans for education, which don't seem to be very deep, quite frankly, uh, that there is a need for um, new thinking in this area um, to bring in better skills so that we can expand, so that it is possible for companies such as ours, which are essentially in a, a hospitality retail type environment. Yes, there's some financial services associated with it, but ultimately it's about how do you um, service people? And unless we all get replaced by robots, 
most of us in the hospitality sector are going to be needing good quality, well-skilled people. And we're not seeing that in the UK. We're having to get that sometimes from abroad. And I'd love to see either the two existing political parties or, um, as they talk about in the press now, maybe a potential third way um, beyond the Liberal Party. The third way party that you refer to there, um, I believe uh, the founder is Simon Franks, who was a guest on this programme, sitting in that very seat. Ah, oh, I'm so, honoured. So maybe he or someone else is listening and maybe something um, important will happen in the area of education. You make a very, very good point. Time for some music before we come back to Sasha. It's George Benson with Give Me the Night. <laughs> That was George Benson with Give Me the Night. Um, Sasha Zakaria is my business shaper today. Almost got it wrong, Sasha. How can I do that after saying it so many times? It's like the more we do it, the worse it gets. Uh, CEO and co-founder at The Change Group, and and you're in the travel money business, as you said. But interestingly, you just pointed out a simple thing. You're in the hospitality world. Where's the business going to go, apart from the challenges that Brexit will bring to talent and to, indeed, education that might mitigate against against talent that, that is maybe not going to be attracted to uh, to this country. Where do you see things moving? Because technology is playing a bigger and bigger role. I mentioned uh, another business which is doing things, which I like doing because I'm, I'm lazy. I hate queues and I hate cash as well. I quite like cards, but that's just me. For you, though, what are you going to be focusing on? For us, we are very focused on the international traveller. So everything from tax refund services to ATM provisioning to, yes, prepaid cards, um, all kinds of portfolios that go around that. So there's small loans, there's a a whole wide range of services, remittances, international payments. When people travel and do business abroad, we really need to enable it. There's talk of, shall we get an extra runway so that our aircraft in the UK can actually get to the places where we want to do business? Do you want to have um, an environment that supports international business? And part of that story is making financial services, making uh, trade much easier. And that's what we do. You know, when we turn over hundreds of million pounds in a particular country in the fiscal cash, that's going into the the pockets of retailers, of uh, restaurants. And so I think it's a very important symbiotic relationship that exists between our type of service and those around us who are ultimately providing the things that the customer wants. Customers don't want to change money. Customers don't want a credit card, quite frankly. They want to eat. They want to go and party. They want to buy a dress. And what we are doing is enabling that to happen. In terms of working with your mum and, and then your late your late father who passed away a few years ago, what's the dynamic like in a family business? And a family business of some size, this is not a, the, the mum and pop shop at the end of the street. This is, a, as we said, 13 countries, I think you said, and 600 people and £40 million plus turnover. Big stuff. I mean, how do you manage conflict? So conflict always occurs where there's... <laughs> a lack of appreciation or a lack of understanding of what's going on. So I think the way in which we've managed it, especially in the last few years since my father passed away, is that my mother and I have a very close relationship. We're constantly on the telephone. I was just before this interview speaking with her. Um, She's currently in Spain where we're opening up some more operations there. I just came back last night from Sweden where we're opening some more operations there. Um, And we're constantly 
talking and we're constantly finding out how can we support one another and how can the teams around us um, at the board level, at the uh, local country level and the, the myriad of financial service um, advisors that we have from you know uh, your own law firm and many others around the world that we work with, how can we then ex- expand and make the most of the business opportunities that exist? But I imagine there's a natural deference towards mum. Always, of course. That's Although she would disagree with that sometimes. But <laughs> Both are the right answers. That is exactly as I imagined it would be. I want to talk to you about um, the 3% of your profit that goes to charity. Just tell me a little bit about the Tree Foundation that you set up in 1996 with your sister, I believe. Yes, exactly. So we, as a family, at various times gave money to um, a variety of different organisations and... Um, but also at a at a more granular level, where my father came from, which is Sri Lanka, um, we would give money to uh, poorer communities, and we found that it was getting inefficient. And so, what we decided to do was create a, a charity specifically to focus on less developed countries and, and espouse the same kind of values that we have, which is about you know get, give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day; give him a fishing rod, he'll eat for a lifetime. And this whole idea of supporting education and small business. So that's what we do. We put about four or five hundred kids through school, um, university, and make sure that they have that next step in life. And um, so that's what the the Tree Foundation focuses on. We did some other stuff around the tsunami and um, some other things that uh, on a more you know, atrocity level when something happens, we've gone in and and given some additional assistance. But our primary focus is on providing long-term skills development. Thinking about that in the context of your business and the the growth and buying companies and, as you said, strategic looking at numbers two and number three in a market and seeing what happens if and so on, which is the moment when you're at your happiest and you're most fulfilled of all those different things? When am I most fulfilled? That's a really difficult question. Sometimes I'm most fulfilled when I'm sitting there driving along. I'm listening to Jazz FM. Um, we paid him to say, obviously. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Other times I'm sitting there when I see someone with a spark of light in them, where they're going, they're giving me an idea, or they they're providing some insight that I hadn't thought of, and I'm thinking, wow, that's really impressive. When I see that development, that growth in them, um, when I see something happened that a shift that I hadn't expected uh, and that can be in the middle of an M&A deal it can be in the middle of an operation that we're existingly running and someone says how about this what if we do this um, and it's going to be better for the customer it's going to be better for us that's when I'm really thinking to myself that's a great moment it's been really nice talking to you thank you um, you strike me as someone who knows exactly what they're doing um, just before I let you go what's your song choice and why have you chosen it uh, so there's this great film uh, back in the uh, early 90s um, called Nikita uh, by Luc Besson. And uh, the soundtrack to it uh, by Eric Serra really inspired me. And there's this one particular piece where Nikita is, for the first time in, in years, being able to go out on her own and the doors open and in floods this, the light and there's a sense of freedom and, and the music really conveys this. And I love saxo- saxophone. I love um, jazz guitar. And I, I think the sense that you get when you travel, uh, that expansiveness that occurs 
when you go into new places is so wonderful and I think this this expansiveness is captured by this song and here it is just for you thank you again That was the free side, but Eric Serra, the song choice of my business shaper today, Sasha Zakaria. He talked about the difference being service, a key lesson for anyone in a service business. He talked about loving international cultures, critical if you're running an international business, and that sense of loving the seat of the pants part of the job, which was buying companies and the thrill of setting it up, but also understanding that scale brings processes. And the processes are really important for ensuring success. All really good stuff. Next week, I'm joined by Roland Lamb, the founder and CEO of Roly, an inventor of the Seaboard, a true leader of creative polymathic proportions. Also, a new element to Jazz Shapers called the New Sessions. It's where we take a look at a hot topic of the moment with Mishkondorea Lawyers, and Paddy O'Connell will be our host. The first one next week will be on GDPR and what it means to you and your business. That's the New Sessions, part of Jazz Shapers, next Saturday from 9am here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.